Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. A sheet for tonight, lesson number eight. And what we'll begin, well, we may not get to it. We'll see. Uh, to the uh, first I am. Uh, which is the bread of life, uh, 625, we'll start on that. On the back sheet, if you'll look on the back, you have the seven I am's of the gospel of John. Remember, he likes numbers, and so there's seven I am's back here. There are a couple of others um, on the back. The seven signs which we'll have signed tonight, uh, maybe two. We might get to uh, the uh, second one, uh, walking on the water. Okay. Now, what I've been trying to do, okay, we'll, we'll see how it works, is to keep a continuity of the Gospel of John, in at least in our minds, okay? In other words, we're going to, we're going to study, uh, starting with the sixth chapter tonight, we're going to work on that sixth chapter. But there's also, you know, there, there's a whole gospel. There's, he's, he was wanting to do something major. So these questions are designed to keep us in mind that there is the entire gospel to deal with. So I've just been having one question for each chapter, so there'll be five questions tonight. Uh, yeah, don't blurt out the answer. Okay, these are not the, well, we'll give you A if you need, if you, if you got one, okay, we'll give you one. But these are not designed, uh, these are just designed to help you to think, okay? And, and if, if there are some people who are not thinking, then maybe we'll, we'll jog them and get them to start thinking, okay? All right, so our review questions for tonight, okay? Oh, it's an open Bible test. You can have your Bible open where you are. What was the first thing Andrew did after becoming a disciple of Jesus? What is the first thing Andrew did after becoming a disciple of Jesus? Chapter one. Chapter two is, what sign did Jesus promise the authorities in Jerusalem? Chapter 2, what sign did Jesus promise the authorities in Jerusalem? They ask him for a sign. He says, this is, this is a sign. Number, chapter number 3, what is the motive of Jesus in 3.16? Uh, well, let me restate that. What is the motive of God in 316. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, okay. What is, okay. What's the motive of God in 316? Number four is what is the first objection of the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well that she gave about talking to Jesus? What was the first objection? Now, there are two of them there. I mean, you can pick out two of them, okay? Um, either one will, will do, all right? Number five, 
and the last one for tonight is, how long had the man at the pool been an invalid? How long had the man at the pool been an invalid? Okay, how'd we do? Question number one. This is your chance. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, that's so, yeah, it's so telling. He'll, he'll come up tonight doing the same thing. Uh, did you hear what she said? Uh, oh, oh, the question, what was the first thing that Andrew did when he became a disciple of Jesus? And he... Yeah. When got his brother Peter. That's what he did. He went and found Peter and said, you know, we found, found him. What sign did Jesus promise the authorities in Jerusalem? Not in chapter 2. Someone? Go ahead, Ruth. Yes. Keep going, and I will. Yes. Yes. There you go. All right. What is the motive of God in 316? Yeah, sure. I'm sorry? Yes, but no cigar. Sarah, want to take it? Love. His love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth him. The motivation, the motivation, the impetus that set him in motion. What was the first objection of the Samaritan woman to Jesus for talking to her? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and but but yeah, and the reason I'm going to give you a little leeway on that in the end of that sentence was and me being a Samaritan woman, so you could have you could have both the difference in the sexes there as as well as the difference in the race there. You're right. Number five. How long had the man been an invalid at the pool? I hear that a bunch out there. I hear like a bunch of you are getting that. Yeah, right. 38 years. Uh, somebody really want to move along and say, why is 38 important there at all? We did say this in our time here. Yeah. <laughs> We're hopeful it hasn't hampered you too much, Jerry. Why would 38 be important at all? Because that's how long the Jews spent in the desert before they could enter the promised land. We're guessing that that's why he was using 38 and why God had arranged it that way. We're guessing that, but just put that out there. Okay, now tonight we have feeding the 5,000. And Fred did such a good job Sunday morning. I was, and I, and I knew I'm coming with this on Wednesday night, you know. So, so, uh, but but let, yeah. That being as it may, I still have to do this job. Okay, all right. So now we're going to start uh, chapter six. Um, and re remember. Uh,
I am not paying that much attention to the travels and how they fit in and that kind of thing, all right? That's important to some people. Um, and again, you know, they wanted to rearrange, some people want to rearrange the, the chapters here uh, in John, where that's beyond my expertise and I'm not able to speak to that. I just want you to know that it's there, okay? And some, some people uh, do that, all right? Uh, chapter six, it is a very long chapter. Uh, what is there? 71 verses in this chapter. We do not have to cover all 71 tonight, okay? Uh, but let's uh, work as hard as we can. And, and uh, we are under no pressure. We're under no pressure. So the first reading is first 13 verses. I think it's verses 1 through 13 is the uh, sign of of Jesus, um, a miracle of Jesus, if you please. Uh, and all the Gospels, this is the only one, the only miracle that Jesus did that all four Gospels record. And so we have uh, three other renditions of this, um, but, but the other guys, uh, I, I think, were following Mark anyway, and so... They're pretty much the same. Uh, John has a little bit different flavor to it, the feeding of the 5,000, and um, um, certainly he gives us some new information. I'll try to remember to draw that. You know, this is brand new, unique to John, and uh, we'll, we'll try as, as we go through it, okay? Uh, again, uh, this is... Uh, I'm, I'm just going to, I know there, I know there are more than 5,000 here, okay? Again, Fred did a really good job with that. Uh, there, there are more than 5,000. There's the uh, women and the children uh, that are not counted here, okay? And it would, it really would do well for us to think every once in a while when we bump into that to realize uh, that not only were women uh, less than second-class citizens, uh, children weren't hardly even seen as people. I mean, they, they were sometimes just a necessary nuisance. Uh, and, and, and you see this in England uh, as, as well. as like the writing of Dickinson's and that, and that kind of thing uh, up, up till uh, a certain time. Then, it, then they said, oh, no, these are, these are actually human beings. And, oh, yeah, and, and we got to learn to treat them different. Before that, they were just treated, little urchins on the street were just treated awful. I don't, I, I don't want to go into that, okay, but... Uh, just be be aware of that, okay? Um, they used them for tr chimney sweeps because they were small and you could get them to climb up in the chimney. And you know how they got them to climb up in the chimney? They'd get them started and put a fire on them and make them climb up the chimney and, and clean it out. Uh, I'm, I'm just telling you, in times past, there wasn't that love and recognition as we're pretty much accustomed to, okay? So that's, no wonder they didn't count these kids, Okay. So we have 13 uh, verses, and I tell you what, let's do. Let's, let's go through the 13 verses as easy, and then we'll come back, and, uh, and I really want us to, uh, to discuss it, okay? All right, Gospel of John. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed 
the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up into the mountains and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Philip is a normal guy to ask this question to because this is the area Philip was from. And so he would know where, you know, where the McDonald's are located and where you can get enough uh, food. Okay, uh, so uh, Jesus turns to him and asks him, uh, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And it's, it's important that we think about what Jesus is doing and why, why is that important that we should think about what he's doing. Okay, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, so where does Philip live? He lives in the land of not enough. That's the land he lives in. That's his landscape, okay? okay. Because he said, we really can't do this. Even if we spend a large amount of money, it, people would only get what? A bite. A bite. Let's go to the next one. <clears throat> Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, brought up, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Okay? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down about 5,000 men were there. Again, uh, there's more than that. Okay. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered up them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over and those uh, five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Okay. Now, how much did they eat? Oh, go ahead, Doc. Oh, yeah. This is the point where all the gospels converge, like you said, right? It is impossible that in two chapters, one <coughs> has passed on the life of the Lord and not been recorded. This festivity 
that verse Yeah. Now, uh, that, yeah, that being as it may, okay, we still, we're, we're going to study this gospel of John, okay, that being as it may, and we, we're going to have to take somewhere along the line what, what is written. Okay. So here you, you have Philip, who is the first actor in this. Jesus asked a question. The first actor is, as, is what, what did he say? Not enough, not enough. There's not enough, you know. Uh, even we sent this, this, this large amount of money, there's, there's not enough for him to get one bite, okay. Now, you, you have Andrew who comes along, and what does he say? Go ahead. There's a boy here, and he's got what? Five barley loaves. And by the way, I think Fred is right. I think his mom has packed him a lunch for the day. But I think Fred was right about that. Okay. Packed him lunch. Five barley loaves and two fishes. All right. And then he added a caveat to that. This is what we have here. Then he added a caveat to that. And what's the caveat? Huh? Yes. Doubt, yeah. But what, you know, what is this amongst the men? But this is what we have. Okay. So we've really made a step forward from we don't have enough to this is what we have. And what do we have? Five barley loaves, two fishes, and we're worried about what? How far that will go. How far that will go. Okay, so what does Jesus do? Well, first of all, he takes it. He took them. And then what did he do? Let me see here. Where are we at? Took the lows. What did he do? Oh. Yeah, uh, we often overlook this. When he went to the tomb of Lazarus, what was the first thing he did there? He gave thanks. That's what he did when he first got there. Okay, so he took the bread, and then what did he do? Gave thanks for the bread, and then what what does he do? begins to give it away. Okay, that's good. And how much did the people eat? Then they, when they had, all had enough. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 
Yes, and that's the point. That's the point of the text. Exactly. That's the point of the text is it, Philip who says there's not enough, and then all of a sudden now there is enough. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right, because not only did they eat all they wanted or enough, there was 12 baskets left over. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So this is how God does things. God doesn't do it just a little bit. He does it lavishly. More. Just lavishly. Just, And I think Paul writes that someplace. He lavished his love upon us. That, he actually uses that word uh, there again. And then, of course, there's 12 baskets left over. I think John is begging us, just begging us to look at this Jesus acting, okay? And if we look at this Jesus acting, we'll learn something about how this world works. Okay? Now, Andrew, when he said, we have here, this is what we have. I'm going to call that a realistic inventory. Okay? Now, Philip didn't do that. Nobody else is doing that. But Andrew did that. I'm going to say he did a realistic inventory. Now, Pastor, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But didn't you guys do a test to look at what your personality and the gifts that you have? Yeah. Pretty extensive. Yeah. You see, that's a realistic inventory where you're taking a realistic inventory of yourself. And if you fall into the mindset of Philip, you will not take, you'll take an inventory, but it won't be realistic. You got to do a realistic inventory where you deal with reality. So the first step I'm saying now in any miracle or any project is to take a realistic inventory. What is it we have? What is it we can count on? What is, we, what's the problem? Let's, let's go over the problem. We have a problem, and what's the problem that we're trying to solve here in this? What is it? Tell me what it is. Yeah, you got, you got people who are hungry, and, you're, and you're, you, that's the problem you're trying to solve. Right? Okay. And uh, that's the problem Jesus put forth. You know, well, well we're going to feed these people. Okay. And so uh, Andrew says, let's do a realistic inventory. That's your first step. If you have any project to do, is to take a realistic inventory about what you have. Let's just keep the, the pastor's uh, personality profile uh, 
in mind. Or just like, hey, we don't, by the way, I want to take the test, okay? I didn't tell him that, uh, but I just, I want to take the test, okay? I don't want anybody to be around when I take it, but I want to take the test. <laughs> Linda, were you going to say something? Oh, okay. Okay, so the first thing is to do is, is to take a, and, and you, you, you have to be ruthlessly honest when you do this. Don't be afraid. You have to be ruthlessly honest when you do this. That is, take a realistic inventory. This is what we have, okay? All right, that's the first step. <clears throat> and then Jesus takes that, and what's the first thing he does? I don't know whether you did that or not, Pastor. I hope you did. When your personality got read out there, that you said, thank you, Lord, for that. You see, because it changes how we feel toward what we have. It, cha it, yeah, it changes everything. When you start giving thanks for what you have, your not enough starts changing into what? Enough. Because you're sending a strong message to God about your faith is, I thank you for this. Even though, as Fred pointed out time and time again, this meager little lunch, what is that among so many? Jesus didn't ask that question. He just said, I think, okay, I think Jesus to feel like if this is what we have, this is what? Enough. If this is what we have, and that's what they had. And so, therefore, it was enough. When you start giving thanks, it will change your attitude. Amen. Rather complaining about what you don't have and talking about why, hey, we had this big project to do in church. <clears throat> and it was, it was a big project. And we'd have these meetings. And uh, finally, Palmer, I never will forget Palmer. What a great guy. I worked with him for years. What a great man he was. He also fell off the ladder in the church. I heard you guys talking about falling off the ladder. He fall, and he bounced like a basketball. Yeah, uh, he fell off. And, and he says, now look, guys. He says, we're going to state the problem one more time, and from then on, we're not going to mention the problem. We're going to mention just solutions. And it changed the, way, it changed the dynamic of everything when we did that. Uh, but it was normal for him to do that. He was into quality control and, and that kind of thing where he worked. And so uh, that's what he did. <clears throat> if you wake up in the morning, instead of complaining about what you don't have, is to give thanks for what you do have. And when you start that, you'll start seeing that God has supplied you with everything you need. All right? Matter of fact, what was the next thing that Jesus did? He took it. He gave thanks for it. Then what did he do? Started giving it away. And he's sending a strong message to everybody. We not only have lunch, we have more than we need because we'll just give some away. And that is a strong message. Now, if I was going to use Fred's 
stuff, and I will, okay, every time you see, but I do, honestly, I do try to give credit uh, when you do this, okay, is when, when you see the boy and his lunch and Andrew uh, now well, we have a boy here, this is equivalent to when God asks, what's in your hand? This is equivalent to God asking what's in your hand. And I, I don't know, uh, Fred, where were you refer, referring to when, when you asked that question? Because I remember, it really struck me heavy. You were in the Bible, were you referring to that? Do you remember? Okay. But yes, what do you got in your hand? And that's the same thing as when Andrew says, what do we have? We have five barley loaves and two fishes. Because whatever you have in your hand is enough. Yeah. Yeah, and seven is usually a complete number, so you've got five barley loaves and two fish, it means you've got enough for dinner. Yeah, go ahead. You were going to say something? But look, I have, oh, why was the boy the only one to have lunch with him out of, out of the whole 5,000? I don't know, maybe they're all a bunch of deadbeats. I don't know what the matter with them. They... They show up with no lunch. They're not prepared for life. Go ahead, sir. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing that you, we, we usually have these things we about the text, you know, that kind of nags at you. What nagged at me all through this, at least this time of studying it, uh, was the boy's name's not mentioned. <laughs> and I wonder whether they even named this boy yet, you know, because, you know, they might have waited to name the kid, and he didn't have a name at that time. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, but, but, uh, but that's, uh, that's the way that they did it. Okay, uh, so, and then, and he gives it away, okay? And he's beg. I think John is begging us to watch what Jesus does. Now, how does Jesus operate? He watches what God does, and then he does it. And so I think what John is asking us is, you watch what Jesus does. And that's why he tells us exactly the steps that Jesus did uh, through this here. And said, and uh, you follow those steps and it'll make a difference in your life. I have found that to be true in the text time and time again. But I've also found it to be true in my own life time and time again. To take a realistic inventory. <clears throat> then give thanks. If you need education, you'll get it along the way. If you need education, you'll get it along the way. You will learn. Jesus had to learn. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us, that Jesus had to learn. He learned through his suffering. And what did he learn? He learned obedience is what he learned through his suffering. He learned obedience. So if you have to learn, you'll get the education you need. I remember I was just bypassing. I was talking to my son, and I told him, I said, I can't get my gun apart to clean it. And I said, will you help me? And he said, Dad, just go to YouTube, punch in 
that you want to clean, and it'll take you there step by step. Well, I went to YouTube, and it did. Step by step, I mean, anybody, and you could pause it. <laughs> Boom! And I remember this been 1971. I went in, I never visited libraries before, okay? I mean, it was a small one, okay, but this, right? Library. Oh, library. So in the, in the library, and I think her name was Rumi. Joan was her name, Rumi? I think it was Rumi was her, was her name. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're, they're at the desk, and I found out, and this library was connected with Southern Illinois uh, University uh, Library and many, many other libraries. I could go and ask for the most esoteric book and write it down, and next week it would be laying right there on the counter for me to read. I couldn't get over that. I, yeah. And now we got the Internet. So if you need to learn, you'll get what you need along the way. But you got to get started. And then Fred, again, was reading out of Judges, when the angel of the Lord, which I think was God there speaking with Gideon, said, go in the strength that you have. How simple. Begin. Go with the lunch, five small biscuits and two sardines. You got to start. <laughs> I'm trying to emphasize the, the, the little provision that we have with this gigantic job, but guess what? There's enough. There's enough. Anyway, uh, are we good so far? Well, go ahead, Lindsay. Ooh. thing you think you cannot be done, you begin and you will learn as you go and he will ha he, he has provisions you don't know that's why you don't want to deal with how because you don't know how you don't have to know how but you do have to begin take that realistic inventory learn to thank God for it and then give it away begin just begin in the project and you'll be surprised what will happen to you along the way. Amen? Amen. Are we doing pretty good so far now? Okay. Uh, if, if I was writing an outline, and I do, <laughs> I love outlines, as you well know. Uh, number one, take a realistic inventory. Number two, give thanks for it. Number three, give it away. That's how you get there. Okay. It's real simple. 
It's real simple. Not easy, but simple. Amen? Okay. Uh, how many of you got projects for this year? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's how you do the projects. That's how you, that's how you do them. Yeah. I think uh, my, my year is a year of understanding. So I'm working on that as a year of understanding. And um, I will tell you that along the way of this year, there has been a gigantic breakthrough for me in understanding of the Father and the Son. And, of course, my, um, I know Mike, uh, Philbar, I'm talking Feldbar, I'm talking about now. Um, I know he knows about it, Marchetti, uh, in our small group. But uh, uh, to me, just wonderful. Uh, I just want to say again is take that realistic inventory, start giving thanks, and start giving it away. And you'll be surprised what will happen in your life and what God can do with you. Okay, are we good? We got the going. All right, let's do the. Let's walk on water now. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it, this the story is so short. I don't. I know why I never just never noticed it before. What? Oh, oh. Thank you, darling. <laughs> Yeah, that's really nice, darling. <laughs> no, I really do. Thank you. I, Sarah was in on that, too, after a while. Sarah got in making some motions down here. Uh, amen. Amen. Right. We should not leave. Oh, we do want to do every bit of John, okay? Good, bad, and ugly. We got to do every bit of it, okay? All right. I'm sorry? All right. Let's do it. Uh, uh, right. Response of the crowd, 1415, Okay. Oh, this is, this is what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is a prophet who is to come into the world. And uh, where, where did you say that was? The, the, the idea of the prophet? Yeah. Eighteen Deuteronomy 18, 16. 15, okay, uh, it, where you have the prophet that they're referring to here, the crowd is referring to there. Uh, Moses said there was going to be a prophet coming to the world, and you should do what he, what he says. Uh, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king. Now, that's the information that we only have. Uh, that is unique to the book of John, that the motive of the crowd is given here. And what's the motive of the crowd is to make him king. They intended to come and make him king by force. Oh, that's a good point. I, yeah, I didn't overlook that. I, uh, to do by force uh, and uh, with, withdraw again to the mountains by himself. So he, he, he gets out of there because they're, they're just going to be too foolish, and so he has, to, he has to be someplace else, okay? And some of us believe, and I think this is true, that Jesus has already got the disciples in the boat and leaving because just so they don't get mixed up with this crowd and want to make him, because you know they wanted to make him king as well. 
he doesn't need that problem, you know, with his disciples wanting to do it as well. So uh, he gets them out of the way, gets them gone, and uh, tries to dismiss the crowd, and uh, we don't know how that worked out, so he just withdrew and went up in, into the mountains, stay away from them, okay? Yeah, Daryl. We forget the power of lunch. <laughs> yeah. Again, you know, because people, they didn't have a lot of food back then, so. Yes. And that, it, yeah. Um, but that is not a good reason uh, to make him king. That is, that's not a good reason. No. It, it just, um, it's just too selfish, just too selfish uh, to do that. Amen. Okay, thanks, Daryl. Uh, no, anyway, okay. Now, that covers those two, king, yeah, the, the prophet and the king, okay? And uh, Jesus is, is not coming to be king on earth. He's coming to be king of people's hearts. Jesus is not coming to be king of the Jews here. He's coming to be king of the world. And that will come out a little later, uh, too, in the text as well, as mentioned uh, in this text, okay? And it's very, I know it's, it's easy for us to take our eyes off that, but we, we should keep that in mind for the goal, uh, that God has the world in mind, um, not just any simple segment of it, okay? No matter how important that might seem. Okay, uh, walking on water, right? Now 16. Uh, uh, verse 16. And I try to put these bullet points up there. Uh, um, the storm, unexpected Jesus, fear, uh, the immediate response, uh, they receive him and, and looking for Jesus, okay? All right. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set across, off across uh, the lake of the lake where they uh, got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. Uh, by now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Uh, again, we were trying to fill in some blanks there before, before this, what Jesus might have done, uh, send them away and whatever, okay? A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat walking on the water, and they were frightened. Uh, I, I want you to notice uh, that very often the first response to the presence of God is what? Fear. You, it is, it is just, you read throughout the Old Testament, you'll see it time and time again, as well as in the New Testament when Jesus, I call it the unexpected uh, Jesus, now, you know the, the storms can come any time, and uh, all it takes is the wind to get the water stirred up and, and doing, um, well, threatening your life, you know, threatening your ability uh, to, to get across there. Um, but very often, our first response is fear. One should work 
Paul talked about, uh, it's a sudden fear that Paul talks about. That, uh, you should work at not having that knee-jerk, knee is that the way you would say knee-jerk reaction, or uh, automatic reaction to things of fear. In other words, you, you should discipline yourself not to respond to things with fear. Uh, you, you should do that. Now, you, if, if you need to be afraid later, you'll, you'll get that, okay? You won't miss that. Uh, there's, some, there's some times you need to be afraid of, okay? Big rattlesnake, close, and I'm close to it. I'm, I'm afraid of it, okay? Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that there are times to be afraid, okay? But nine times out of ten, that's not what's going on. You know, you just have learned uh, to be afraid, and you, you, you should get control of that. And that's what Paul says, don't, don't have that knee-jerk reaction, that sudden fear, that sudden fright. Um, actually, it's uh, the word you would use if you were riding a horse down a path and something startles a horse and the horse bolts. Uh, you should not be like that as a human being, okay? You should be better than that. He said, Does, you know, discipline yourself how to deal with that. So here comes Jesus, and, and so uh, their response is, why would you be afraid of Jesus out there walking on the water at night with the wind blowing? <laughs> exactly where I'm going. Yeah, I, yeah, well, it was the ghost, you know, or uh, it, you know, many, many things. Yeah, uh, but he's un, he's not expected out there. Okay, but usually that's the way God shows up anyway, unexpected. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the, normally, uh, but he said to them. It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now, can we miss that point there? You, you can't, you, you can't, can, you, no, you can't miss it. What's the, what's, the, what's the message here? Yeah, if he's in your boat, you're good. And you, yeah. And all the problems are solved immediately. Yeah. 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 John wants us to know that uh, Jesus in the boat is safety. Okay. You're good to go. All right. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Uh, the, the crowd's doing what? Starting to figure out, yeah. How did Jesus get here? Uh, and and, and they'll, they'll learn, okay? When some of the boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. And what are they looking for? They're looking for lunch. They, they're still looking for lunch. This is not a good motive to follow Jesus, okay? It's not a good motive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they are, okay? And uh, 
it, it's, a, it's a good question to ask. Um, why do you follow Jesus? My, my first response is for forgiveness. You know, and it's, that's not the best. That's not the best. But that was my first response to following Jesus. I experienced the grace of God, and I thought everybody ought to have it. But it's not the best, okay? There are steps beyond that, okay? And it took me years to figure any of that out, okay? But there is. Amen. Amen. All right, I'll go on to the next one. Uh, the bread of life. We got five minutes, four minutes to go there. The bread of life. Now, this is uh, the, the first one of the uh, I am uh, statements of Jesus. Uh, here we got I am the bread here in, in this, uh, uh, in this, in this uh, chapter, okay? When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I tell you, you are looking me, looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Can't miss that. We can't miss that. Uh, and that's, uh, he just interprets their motives there uh, for them, okay? Um, and, and maybe they didn't know it, you know, that they were just acting kind of unconsciously uh, whatever, but uh, Jesus uh, reminds them, uh, this, this is what you're doing. Okay. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus said, the work of God is to what? Believe in the one he has sent. So there you, you have works and you have faith. And, and faith is the major thing you want to deal with. You can't get there by works. You get there by believing, by having faith. All right. So they ask him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, uh, this is the experience in the desert. I know. This is the experience in the desert. And where uh, Moses, um, they... They need provision, okay, and God provides for them, and it is called what? Manna. Manna. And I think uh, manna means what is it? Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it would come every morning, and you can go out and fill your basket or whatever container you had with manna. You, you could do that. And that would work, except on Friday, you could go out and fill enough for two days because you don't want to do that on the Sabbath day. Am I pretty close to that? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and what did it taste like? Did anybody know what that manna tastes like? 
it was like some kind of a light wafer or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know where I got that at. I don't, I'm sure it's in the text someplace, you know. But they complained about it one time, you know, said, we, well, we can't stand this stuff anymore. We want a little variety in that. And so God sent them quail. They could eat quail. Anybody know what quail is? I know Jerry does, yeah. yeah. You find them rabbit hunting is what you do. All of a sudden, that whole covey gets up. Talk about sudden fear. Because they make a lot of noise when they, when they take off. So. But God fed them quail for quite a while. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Now, what's the true bread from heaven? Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Now, we're going to talk about bread here in, in, in most of the rest of the chapter. Uh, and it's, they reject Jesus over this, okay? Uh, but, but he says, I am the bread if you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, I know it uh, sounds ridiculous uh, in some ways, and that's the way they took it. I mean, a lot of people took it that way, uh, that it was ridiculous for, for him to say such things. But do, we, must, we must understand the metaphor that's going on here, uh, that, that Jesus is the supply that we need in our, in our life, and that his blood is a remedy for for many things, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But they began to go away. Now, in the book of John, at the Last Supper, there is no Lord's Supper in the book of John. What do we have besides the Lord's Supper or no Lord's Supper? We have foot washing. Go like this, foot washing. Foot washing. That's what you have instead of the Lord's Supper at the Last Supper in John. So many people believe that that's what we're talking about here is the addition of the Lord's Supper or what, is, what came to be called Eucharist later. I didn't, I didn't bring it out when we went over it, okay? But that's the word for thanks that is given in, to Jesus there when Jesus gave thanks was Eucharist. Uh, and so many writers think that this is the Lord's Supper in John. And so we'll work on that next week. Uh, we'll work on uh, the Lord's Supper in John, and we'll work on the disciples beginning to turn away. Very important text to me personally. I hope it helps you as much as it helped me uh, when I uh, first studied it. Okay? We good? Go ahead, Frank. It's good. The parallel is with Moses. Moses didn't even eat it, but he had to tell them that they didn't eat it. Yeah. And he had to tell them to fast and do it. He wasn't pushing them to do it. Yeah. Amen. Thanks, Frank. Somebody else? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we are learning to give thanks. We're learning from your son to give thank you. 
And so we give you thanks for this evening. We give you thanks for your word, and we give you thanks for each other. Bless us now as we continue to serve you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.